0: Good morning, everybody, Good morning. and welcome to those of you joining us online, whether you're live with us or watching later in the week, we're glad that you are with us, too. Hey, as a church, we've been working our way through Acts, uh, we find ourselves here in the end of Acts chapter 15, and, and we get to talk about a fun topic this morning, we, we, we get to this point where we're talking about disagreement in ministry, yay, Right? How fitting, too, the, the weekend that we're talking about uh, disagreement in ministry is, is a weekend where, where Pastor Matt's not here. Um, that, no, that has nothing to do with it. But no, and so we're, we're talking about this idea, as we come to this point where there's this disagreement that happens, I, I think as we get ready to read God's word, I, I want to just kind of start with this thought that oftentimes we, we, in our culture, we've just kind of created this expectation that Christians are perfect. Right, we all know that that's not true, uh, but but there's this almost this assumption of this belief that we just kind of buy into that because everybody's Christians, we're all everything's working together. So if you were to come and work here at church, it's awesome, right? It's perfect because like if you like snuck in midweek and like peeked in the office, we're all just like singing together and just like it's perfect place, right? Right? No, but we're all humans. Right? And that's the, that's the point, right? Of the, we found this hope in Jesus. It's not because we're all perfect and we've all arrived. But as Christians, as churches, as followers of Jesus, we are flawed. Right? We come on Sunday mornings and we dress up and we smile. And yet the reality is each and every one of us, are, 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 a lot of us are walking in just barely hanging on. Right? And we put on this facade that everything's good, and we talk to each other, how's your day? Oh, it's great. And the reality is, like, we're all hurting, broken people who were chasing after Jesus because we found that he's the only hope we have. And so, with that, it's, it's no surprise that as we come and we're reading through Acts, and we're reading the story of the early church, that we come to this point where there's disagreement. And it comes up. So, I want to read through this passage, and then we're just going to talk about what does disagreement in ministry look like? What what happened in this story? What can we learn from it, right? Because our, our question is always, as we read God's Word, like, what does this teach us about who God is, and what does it teach us about what it means for us as followers of Jesus? Like, how does this help us as we learn to walk with Him? So, let's read this passage. We're in John, or John, we're in Acts. Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So in those five quick verses, we have this this thing all of a sudden come to a head, where you have these two people who have been leaders in the church, disagree about something in split ways. And we've seen this played out over and over again throughout church history, right? Because again, churches and Christians are not perfect. We are not immune to disagreement. Because we're humans. The church is composed of imperfect people seeking to be obedient to God and live out the gospel. And so every church is filled with imperfect people who are chasing after Jesus. We're all <laughs> trying to live out what God has called us to do, and we do it not perfectly. <laughs> and the same is true of all the characters we read in the Bible, right? We do the same thing with the Bible characters too. We, we like elevate them to this, this some status where we assume they're, like, they're, they're untouchable, they're perfect, they, they did it right, and we've got to try to do what they did because they did it right. But outside of Jesus, every single (laughs) human in the Bible was human. They were flawed just like us. We read about David, we're like, oh man, David, a man after God's own heart, he was perfect. Until you read the story about David and are reminded of his failures. Here's Here's a man who had incredible highs, but he also had some crazy lows as he messed up and as he failed. And we see the same thing with Paul and Barnabas, and we've seen it with Peter. All of these characters, they're, they're humans just like us. Imperfect people chasing after Jesus. And so we have to get over this habit of elevating these people. And in fact, if you, if you think back just a chapter ago, in Acts chapter 14, when Paul and Barnabas were in uh, in Lystra and Derby, and they healed somebody. God healed, miraculously healed somebody, and all of a sudden, the city's in an uproar, and people are bringing in cattle to slaughter and offer sacrifices to them, and Paul's having to like just stop. He's like, stop. He's like, we're humans just like you. We are not gods. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. We're humans just like you. It's about Jesus. Jesus heals. Jesus is the one who saved us because he is perfect. And so we're going to talk about disagreement. As we look at this story, I think there's a couple of things as we try to understand what we can learn from their disagreement, as we understand what, what disagreement should look like. There's a couple of things that we want to take a, a, into context. So part of it is that, that how they disagreed is really important for us to know and pay attention to. All right? How these two men disagreed, because this wasn't just... A, another disagreement. This wasn't some cordial parting. This is a disagreement that caused two men who were close together to separate from one another. And as I've been reading and looking at different commentators, and different uh, scholars, they, they tend to fall into two camps. Some of them pass off this disagreement as just a simple disagreement, right? Paul wanted one thing, Barnabas wanted another, and, and they couldn't agree, so they separated and they each did their own thing. And there's not much to it. And other people paint this as just this horrible, like all out fight, right? We've got, well less than, there's five verses that we just read, not all of it's about this, but we've got less than that because Luke when he wrote this book of Acts didn't give us a a play by play. We don't have the full commentary and we don't have a, a, a word by word explanation of their disagreement. But I think the reality is that there's something in between. Right, there's somewhere in the middle here that, that the, it's not, not just a simple, oh, you go your way, I'll, I'll go my way. They, there, was, there was a disagreement. They argued about this. They were, it says that, that Barnabas was determined to take John Mark with him, and Paul was completely opposed. And it says the contention became so sharp. They got so like, set in their ways and arguing with each other. Again, we don't have the play-by-play. We don't have the words. But they probably said some things they, they wish they hadn't. They got passionate about this and they argued with one another and, and finally came to a point where they are like, fine, you go your way. And again, we have to keep this in context. We know they're human, right? We want to we, we take them down off that pedestal. They're not perfect. They're just like us. And yet at the same time, we have to keep in mind that both of these men were commended by the churches. They were godly, Holy Spirit-filled men who were passionate about the gospel being spread to all the world, had suffered together. And yet they were men who quarreled over the right next move and parted ways. And so as we look at this disagreement, here's the things that we have to to keep in mind. First and foremost, this disagreement happened in relationship. These two men knew each other well. This isn't just two strangers arguing about something or meeting some random person or getting into an argument online over something and arguing about our opinions over something. These two men knew each other well. Right? And Barnabas, in fact, is the one. Like th- their relationship goes all the way back to when Saul first became a believer. Because right? if we remember back at the beginning of Acts, Saul is on a, like a, a solo mission to wipe out the church. And so he's doing everything he can to persecute the church, arrest Christians, throw them in jail, have them executed. He's, he's on a mission to destroy it, and then he meets Jesus. And after he meets Jesus, he comes back to Jerusalem, and he wants to come talk to the other apostles. And, and probably with a little bit of wisdom, they're like, nope. Anyway, you, you were just the guy who was chasing after me, trying to get me thrown in jail. You're the person who's, who's been chasing after us, and now you, you're a follower of Jesus. <laughs> sure. But what happened? If you look at Acts chapter 9, verse 26, when, when it says, When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul in his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with him and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Saul is on the outskirts, and it's Barnabas who brings him in. He's like, no, listen to me. What he's saying is true. That's where this, this, this friendship starts, is right there when Barnabas believes in Saul. Right? And then it continues on as the church in Antioch begins to grow, and, and things are happening there. The, the apostles in Jerusalem send Barnabas to Antioch to see what's really going on. And so in Acts chapter 11, verse 22 it says, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And it says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. So again, as the church begins to explode, Barnabas goes to see what's happening, and his first instinct, after he like, is excited and praises God, he goes and finds Saul and brings him back. And then for a whole year, the two of them serve together, teaching the church, equipping the church, and they serve together. And it's there in Antioch, right, then that, that Paul and Barnabas are commissioned and sent off onto this missionary journey. And then we go through all these chapters that we've just been reading these, this past month as Paul and Barnabas go from town to town proclaiming the truth of the gospel, planting churches, suffering together as they're beaten and thrown out of cities. Like they, These guys know each other well. They have served together. They've spent years together laboring together. In fact, right up until verse 35, right before we started reading, after they come back to Jerusalem and there's the whole council, it says the last verse was that Barnabas and Saul remained in Antioch and taught together. So after that's all done, they're continuing right up until this point, serving together. And then they come to this point of disagreement. But the thing to keep in mind, the thing to remember, is that these guys knew each other well. They knew each other's heart. They knew each other's passion for the gospel. They knew their commitment to seeing people all over the world come to understand the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done. So this disagreement isn't just out there. It's between two men who know each other and love each other and care for each other and have served together in relationship. The other thing to keep in mind is is that the starting point matters, right? These two guys had a, a, a common foundation, right? It wasn't just this relationship that they had, this friendship that went back for years. But their foundation was the gospel and their disagreement, and this is important, the disagreement wasn't on doctrine. They didn't disagree about doctrine or the gospel at the core of things. What they disagreed on is where do we go next? how do we do this? You see, if you remember back the last week, the whole first 35 verses in chapter 15 here was the Jerusalem council where the church was wrestling with what, what is the gospel and what matters, right? Because some people have been saying that all these Gentiles, in order for them to become believers, first had to become Jews. And as the church leaders wrestled with it, as they came down, it's like, no, there's, there's nothing else added to the gospel. And so Paul and Barnabas were in lockstep in this. Their disagreement had nothing to do about what they believed it was all about. Where do we go from here? What are, what's our next steps? How do we go out in, in, in telling more people about the gospel? We call it, and Matt referenced it this l- last week, right? We call it majoring on the majors. These are the core things to our faith. These are the things that matter that, w- that we don't touch. This is what the Bible teaches us and is central to who we are and the hope that we have. Outside of that, there's lots of other things that, that we wrestle with. But the gospel is solid. And Paul and Barnabas had that same thing. Their disagreement wasn't about doctrine. It wasn't about the gospel. It was about how do we, how do we live this out? Where do we go from here? Both of them were equally convinced that the world needed to hear the truth about Jesus. And they disagreed on how to about, go about doing it. So I think we have to take a, a quick pause here because we keep talking about this point of, about the gospel being the central thing, right? They, that Paul and Barnabas were in lockstep about the gospel and that they were, they were convinced that the gospel needed to go out and we come back, we keep referencing, what, what is the gospel? Right? What is it that, that they wrestled with and said, this is, this is the central thing, this is core to our faith. And the gospel is simply, it's the good news that G, what Jesus did for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He, he was buried that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel is simply that, that Jesus did what we could never do. He died for our sins. When we were dead in our sins, Jesus chased after us and rescued us. And so when we repent of our sins and we surrender ourselves to God and accept what he has done for us, we're adopted into God's family. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what Paul and Barnabas were so passionate about. About more and more people hearing this. It's not about what you do and and how good you are or where you were born or who your parents are. It's about what you do with Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the message that drove Paul and Barnabas all around the known world, risking their lives. That's the message that, that changed lives and turned the world upside down. And that's the same message, that same gospel message that's transformed my life and it's changing lives today. As we come face to face with the fact that we have a God who loves us and pursued us and did what we could never do. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope that we cling to. That's the hope that we build this church around. That's the gospel. So let's go back to, to Paul and Barnabas and their disagreement. Right, because what, what is it that they disagreed about? And right, you read these couple of verses, it, it really boils down to this is they're like, been teaching it there, and then Paul has this idea hey, let's go back and visit all the churches. Barnabas responds like, yes, let's go. I want to take John Mark with us. And Paul is like, no. That's the disagreement right there. That's that's it right? You have Barnabas who wants to take John Mark with him. John Mark, a guy who had gone with them on the first missionary journey. When they had gone to Cyprus, they had traveled through. John Mark was there with them, but then when they were leaving Cyprus, John Mark heads home and doesn't continue on with them in the ministry, doesn't continue on with them on the missionary journey. What exactly happened there? Again, we don't know. That's, that's what we get as we read Luke's account of, of what happened, is that John Mark left, we don't know exactly what went down, what, but he left. And so as they're getting ready to head out onto this next journey, Barnabas is like, we're taking John Markey, and Paul's like, no. And so they disagree about, about that simple thing. What, what, are, what are we doing? Who's going with us? And they, they, they argue about this. Again, we don't have in, in the, the short verses, we don't have in Luke's account, we don't see, again, the play-by-play of how this argument went down. But here's the one thing that we know, neither one was right, and neither one was wrong. Because that's normally the question we ask, right? Well, here's these two guys, they disagreed, so who did it right? Neither one. Neither one was wrong, neither one was right. You see, we have this, again, we have this bad habit of, of making the assumption that there's always, here's the right choice. There's a right choice and there's a wrong choice. Sometimes there are, right? Sometimes there's some clear things that the Bible teaches us, like, should I lie or not? Well, what do we do? What's the Bible tell us to do, right? And so we make things simple, but oftentimes when we're faced with decisions, we're faced with two good decisions, And we always want to come to and say, well, there's the right way and the wrong way. Oftentimes there's two good choices and we just have to pick. And that's what happened here. Paul and Barnabas were passionate about the same thing and had a different idea of how to carry it out. And so who was right? Both of them. Neither, Neither choice was wrong. How they handled it probably was. Again, we don't have the account of what was said But they probably, it got heated, they probably said some things they wish they didn't. They probably argued or were more stubborn than they should have been. But both of them, the strengths and their passions are what drove their decision. And their strengths and their passions are the things that God had given them and equipped them with to carry out his mission and his purpose. As we've already talked about, Paul was driven. He was zealous. It goes back, even before he met Jesus, he was on a mission to wipe out the church, and he went to all lengths. He wasn't just waiting for things to happen. He was seeking out opportunities to throw people in jail. Then he meets Jesus, and he chases after Jesus with that same intensity and that same passion. We're only in chapter 15, but already in Acts, we've seen Paul stoned. We've seen him escape buildings by the skin of his teeth. Right? He's constantly in danger because he's, he is relentless and he's outspoken for the gospel. God gifted him that way. God made him that way and used him to spread the gospel throughout all of the known world. And then on the other side we have Barnabas who again we've seen the way, we, we read about how he treated Paul. Hey, Barnabas, the encourager. There's a reason that the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas to Antioch because they know that he could care for them and support them and encourage them and build them up because that's what Barnabas did. He cared for people. And so as they get into this disagreement, about what do we do? Paul's like, we need to go visit these churches. We need to go. We're gonna gonna keep spreading the gospel. And Barnabas was like, yeah, that sounds great, but we need to bring John Mark because this guy needs encouragement. He's got talents. He's got gifts. God's going to use him. I just know it. And I can just imagine, right, as they're arguing about this, Paul's been like, this mission is too important. We can't take any chances. We need to take the best of the best. We need to take the proven." He's already shown us once before when it gets tough, he He bails. John Mark's not the right guy for this mission. We've got to go, and we know the opposition that we're gonna come up against. We've already experienced it. We've already been, he's like, I still remember when we were in Lister and Derby, he's like, I still, my body's not the same after they stoned me and left me for dead. I need somebody with, with grit who's gonna go after this, and, and he's not the guy. And Barnabas coming back, he's like, he wasn't the guy, but look, look at what God's doing in him. He's different. He's growing. Like, remember how I came alongside you when none of the disciples wanted anything to do with you? Remember how I, I supported you and encouraged you? Remember what God's done there? He's like, trust me, just like I knew back then that God was going to do something in you, God's going to do something with John Mark. God's not done with him. He needs to go with us. Paul's like, remember back in Galatia? When Peter came and all of a sudden you were too good to hang out with any of the Gentiles, remember that? Are you just going to bail on me again? We don't know what was said, but we can imagine both of these guys passionate about the gospel going forward, that when it comes to this, that neither one would back down because both of them were convinced that, that they knew what God was calling them to do. Barnabas wanted to go and support and encourage the churches, build stronger churches, because he knew that as all these new churches, as they grew and were stronger, that they would be more equipped to impact the communities around them, the world around them, and that stronger churches meant more people being impacted with the gospel. And likewise, Paul was ultimately convinced. He's like, man, there are people out there who haven't heard the gospel yet. He's like, we need to go to the ends of the world. We need to keep going. The moment we've got a church gone, great, let's go to the next place. Let's keep pointing people to Jesus. Both of those are great choices. Both of those are important things to do. So neither one was right, neither one was wrong. The way they handled it may have been. Anger may have seeped into those conversations, two passionate guys talking about what they believe. They may have regretted the way they talked to one another. But they held firm to their conviction. And they split. Barnabas took John Mark and headed back to Cyprus to visit the churches. And Paul took Silas and headed out. And we see through the rest of Acts, we, we start to follow them as they go out on these other missionary journeys and continue to, to encourage churches and plant new churches. But again, there isn't always one right way. Often there are good choices that we have to pick between. The second thing we have to keep in mind about this disagreement is, is that even after the disagreement, the work went on and was multiplied. Both of them were arguing about, here's what we think God's plan is. This is what we need to do. And couldn't come to agreement, argue, and split. And now, all of a sudden, double the missionary teams. There was one missionary team going around, Paul and Barnabas, and all of a sudden, there's two. One, Paul and Barnabas going out, or Barnabas and John Mark going out and equipping and encouraging the churches, building them up to strengthen them. And Paul and Silas blazing new trails. And God used both of them. But even after the disagreement, it's important to recognize that between these guys, it wasn't about their ego, it wasn't a competition, it was about seeing the gospel spread. That's what drove them and they continued in that, even after their disagreement. Because the focus was in the gospel. Both of these missions are important, both of them are are valid. And the important thing is that both men didn't stop following God and doing what he had called them to do. God used each of them. We'll continue reading through Acts, and we'll get to see all the things that, that God continued to do with Paul and Silas as they continue to spread the gospel. We don't get to see much more about Barnabas, um, but we do know this, that, that, that John Mark continued to play an important role in the church. And it's probably in large part because of the faith that, that Barnabas placed in him and the encouraging that Barnabas gave him. The gospel of Mark was written by John Mark. God continued to use him. God continued to use both of them. They didn't give up after a disagreement. They both continued to pursue the gospel. And so the work went on. The gospel continued to spread. And then the third thing is that as God used each of them, he continued to refine them. Again, because Paul and Barnabas weren't perfect. They weren't finished. They had work to do. God was continuing to to work on them, to mold them into his image. And so, yeah, they had rough spots. (laughs) They weren't perfect. They were humans just like us. But God continued to work in them and continued to use them. And we don't see much of Barnabas anymore, but we do with Paul one of the cool things that we see is even this disagreement, the sharp disagreement that caused these two men to split and maybe never see each other again. We don't know. But it took them in different directions around the known world. And they clearly, though, the cool thing is that the, the relationship continued. In the letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul references Barnabas. Right? They're not serving, they're not on the same missionary team anymore, but he talks about, it. he's like, is it just Barnabas and I that are equipped this way, right? Are we the only ones doing it that, 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 that are treated this way? Right? And he references Barnabas almost in this combination, like Barnabas is doing the work just like I am. Right? So even though we've gone our separate ways, it, it, Paul knew that God was still using Barnabas for his glory to spread the gospel. But we also get to see the way that God continues to refine Paul in his relationship with John Mark. Again, Paul's vision of John Mark is like, I'm not taking this quitter. Right? He bailed on us. He's not coming with us anymore. I've got no faith in this guy. And he stands by that enough that he separates ways, he parts ways with his missionary partner that they've just served years with through some of the toughest things. He stays by that conviction. But then as time goes on, we see that God continues to work on his heart. Partly, probably because John Mark continued to grow and, and be equipped and God used him. But also I think that God softened Paul's heart. And we see that, that Paul starts to recognize the value of Mark. In Philemon one twenty four, he references John Mark as his fellow worker. Here's this other guy who's out here doing the work of the gospel. Spreading the gospel to people who don't know it. John Mark, my fellow worker. And then in Colossians 4:10, we see that as Paul's writing this letter to the Church of Colossae, he references that, that Mark is with him. He says, John Mark's with me, and we send our greetings to you. So now, not only is, is John Mark prudent, but now he's working side by side with Paul. And I think the, the culmination for me is in 2 Timothy 4:11. As Paul's writing this letter to Timothy, his instruction to Timothy is this: he says, get Mark and bring him, because he's useful to me in ministry. He is helpful to me. Timothy, whatever you do, please bring Mark. I need him. Hey, and that's not because all of a sudden Mark's a superstar. I think it's because. God's just continuing to refine Paul, continuing to make him into his image. So we have this big question, how should we disagree in ministry? As we see these two heroes of the faith, Paul and Barnabas, get into this disagreement in split ways. How should we do it? Because let's be honest, it, it's, it's clear from church history that, that we've got a history that's just littered with, with disagreements and arguments. We've got a church history that's filled with failings. Again, because it's imperfect people who are trying to live out what God calls us to do. Hope Church is no different. We are not perfect. Like, we don't have the corner market on the exact right way to do everything, We're going to make mistakes because, you know what? This church is made up of all of us. and We're all imperfect. Our church is led by a team of elders and staff who are not perfect. And yet we're just continuing to seek to be obedient to God and to to humbly learn what it means for us to live out being the church. You see, God didn't give us explicit directions on how to do Church. We're left with lots of decisions to make, right? The Bible, we can't look to the God's Word and say, how exactly should church operate in 2021 in Dubuque, Iowa? Right, there's lots of questions. We, we understand the gospel. We're holding true to the gospel, right? We've got we, our, our doctrinal say. We've got the majors. Here's the majors. We're going to major and focus on these. We don't touch these because God's Word says these things are, are firm. But there's all these other things about how we do church that, we, that are left to us to figure out. Good choices, right? No right way, right? How many songs should we sing on a Sunday morning? What time should the service be? Right, what kind of music we, should we do? What kind of, pre, how long should the sermon be? All of those questions, like what, what kind of things should we do? What, what clothing should we wear? Should we have coffee or not? All those things are left for us to decide. I mean, I think the coffee one's obvious, but the rest of them, like... Right? We, there's not a right way to live out being the church. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us, and we seek to be obedient. And we extend a lot of grace to one another. Because you see, the things that we get passionate about, the things that we think are most important are, are part of how God wired us. Right? The musicians who led us in worship this morning, I bet they would, a lot of them would lobby for a lot more music Right, because it's what God's given them. Right? There's some of you who are like, yes, let's sing more. Right? And those are great things. There's, there's not a right or wrong answer, but what is, it, part of it's the passion. Right? We need to, we need to spend more of our time teaching the kids. We need to spend more of our time doing whatever. Right? And then we, we go to God's word, we seek his, his leading, but ultimately we're left to make these decisions. And we give grace to one another as we learn to do this because we want to be obedient because ultimately this is what we cling to. Romans three ten, Sorry, not 3. Romans ten thirteen through 14. It says this, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's that gospel message that drove Barnabas and drove Paul. They, they knew that, that people needed to understand who Jesus was because those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? When we repent and we trust Jesus our Savior, we're saved from our sins. But then listen what he says. He says, how then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how should they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? People need to hear the gospel. And it's our role as the church, all of us, Living out what it means to be the church, that we get to proclaim the gospel to the people around us. The people that we're in relationship with, the people who see our lives, get to get a glimpse of the gospel as we live it out as we preach it. And so as we talk about disagreements, about the way that we do church, that we live out being the church. We have to remember this: we aren't right in the way that we've chosen to do church. We're not wrong. <laughs> right? We've made a lot of decisions of the way we do things, and it's done with the goal of, of presenting people with the gospel, of helping more and more people connect with God. But we know that we're not the right way. We know that we also make lots of bad choices, and we, make, and we get in disagreements over things, and we give grace in those areas. Secondly, we know that, that the work needs to be multiplied, There are more and more and more people in this world who desperately need to hear the gospel. So we're going to do everything in our power to to make that possible. We also know that God, Dubuque needs more churches. Dubuque needs more and more people who are living out what it means to follow the gospel. Our world needs more Christians who are living that out. And it's not, again, we don't have the corner market on the right way to do it. We're not the right way. We're not the answer, but God has called us to live it out, so we're going to do our best to obediently follow. And the third piece, we know, again, that God is refining us as we follow him. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. We all have our own bags. We all have our own shortcomings, and God is working on those things as we seek as disciples to continue to surrender ourselves to him, to allow him to work in and through us for his glory, to mold us into his image, for his glory and for the gospel to spread so that more and more people would understand the hope that we've found, that although I'm a sinner deserving of death, Jesus saved me. And so I'm putting my hope and trust in him And I want more and more people to understand that and learn the hope of the gospel. Again, it comes down to grace. We give grace to one another as we disagree because it boils down to this. God's called us to chase after him, so we are all pulling. And we may pull differently than one another because God's gifted us and given us passions that are different than one another. But we give grace to one another as we pull in the same direction. That's really what it comes down to. We want to pull together as the church for God's glory, for his kingdom to grow as the gospel is proclaimed and more and more people come to understand the hope of God and connect with him. That's who we want to be as a church. We're going to disagree, but we're going to seek to pull in the same direction and give grace to one another in the process. Let's pray together as we close. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the reminder that the gospel is not about us, but it's all about you. And God, we thank you that that although we're not perfect, you are. And God, help us to be obedient in following you and and live out what it means to be the church. All of us, each and every one of us, as we chase after you. Help us to pull together for your glory. Help us to proclaim the gospel to the world around us who need you those who are hopeless and helpless in need of a Savior. Jesus, we found you. Help us to to proclaim that to others. Help us to share with others the hope that we have found in you. And God, ultimately, may your name be made great. May your glory be lifted high and may your gospel spread as people come face to face with the truth of who you are.